We have five dollars, by the way, for Victor's college fund, but we also have Gannon's asking how much super chat money to ride the zebra in the back of the picture. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a uh, somewhat abridged cast for episode 67 of Stat Check O of Moment. Um, <laughs> instead of our normal four people, you're going to get instead two thirds of the Stat Check Stat Polycule, which is me, Stat Stat, and Jeremy, Judge Jury, and Curie. Um, Hello. Yeah. I honestly, it's so it's so much funnier <laughs> to do this as just two people instead of as like four. Um, Anthony and Innes are both preparing to travel for doing the Cali Cup. They're going to run a class on Thursday, so they are leaving early to get ready for the class. Innes has a long international flight, and Anthony is doing his best to smooth over any like stressors from traveling and then being gone for an extended period of time. Yes, this is not quite the daddy edition of Stat Check Nas. Um, we're missing Stat Daddy himself, Cliff, who unfortunately generally can't be here for these earlier time slot episodes. But otherwise, we're going to talk about a very... <laughs> a lot of things are abridged this week. Uh, there aren't a lot of events to talk about. Jeremy's going to kind of talk about some stuff from his weekend. And on that note, Jeremy, how was your weekend? My weekend was long, but it was amazing. Um, so I went down to Saskatoon, so prairies, middle of Canada. I was going to say middle of nowhere, but it is actually civilization there, despite what some people may think. Um, so I went down to Saskatoon to compete in the Western Canadian Teams Championship, which was a 16 teams of four uh, competing. And it was people from, well, for me, as far as Ottawa, and on the other side, as far as... I believe Calgary and Edmonton, maybe a little bit further west. So you basically drew like a six hour window of driving from Saskatoon. And that was where people came from uh, in every direction. Uh, it was a pretty, it's a pretty awesome tournament. Um, I hadn't been out there before. Uh, so I had been invited to play with Riley Tremblay, who played for Team Canada this year. Uh, John Kilcullen, who uh, writes fairly regularly for Goonhammer. I think he was one of the original guys on the Goonhammer side front or early enough on. Uh, and then Garrett Olson, who I uh, met a little while ago and who is currently one of the applicants for Team Canada. So the four of us headed out there. Um, if people haven't seen already, we won the event. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit more about how the event was run, uh, the guys who put it on. So the event was put on by uh, Rhett Trombley, uh, Riley's older brother, um, Zach Hansen, uh, Riley Trombley, who helped out in the arrangement of it, uh, and then Tyler Gatehouse. Uh, the four of them, there may be others in the group. I apologize if I'm missing anyone. I think, yeah, I know I'm missing at least one person, and I apologize. I'm terrible with names. Uh, but I do want to compliment the Saskatoon crew for putting on an absolutely amazing uh, tournament. It was held in uh, the Saskatoon Community Center. They just 
yeah, they put on an amazing event. They had they did full WTC terrain. They had uh, really you know they had really nicely laid out tables. The venue was small but comfortable, like it wasn't cramped in any way. They had catered lunches both days, bought by one of the locals. So we had pulled pork sandwiches on the Saturday, and then just nice simple BLT sandwiches on the Sunday. It's fine. Sounds good. I mean, yeah. I've never had an event catered for me before, so. <laughs> You, know, you, should, I, I, you should come up here. We try to make all of our events catered. You want you want me to come play in a team event with you, Jeremy? Is that what you're saying? Oh, Saskatoon as yeah. Well, okay, so as trying Tim to and his money. Tim and his usual. I'm going to launder my own money through stat checks attempts. Uh, has pointed out that yes, uh, I have an autocorrect in my phone now, where Saskatoon is corrected to Saskatoon, and so anytime I would mention that to someone, and a couple times when I didn't catch it in stat checks backstage chat, it would just be autocorrected to the longer version of it. Um, <laughs> I just figured yeah. that's what, what Canadians said anytime they said Saskatoon. Um, is just you never said Saskatoon in a short. You just said Saskatoon. Yeah. No, it's uh yeah. So the the, the place name itself has just two O's, uh, but it is much funnier saying much longer. Um, so what did you and play yeah, Derek, at the team event? Oh, uh, so I played the leagues of I played leagues of Oten. I played a modified list from what I've been playing for the last couple weeks. Um, so the team event last the weekend before. Uh, I took the six Sagittar list, dropped a Sagittar, dropped a unit of Thunderkin and an Iron Master, and added in an additional unit of Hearthguard and another Call. Uh, so instead, of, so I then had five Sagittars, thirty Warriors. Oh, and I also dropped a Grimnir. Uh, still had a unit of Thunderkin with a Grim Demeanor Iron Master, and then had two units of ten Hearthguard, both of them with Calls, and uh, one of them had Long List. One unit of, of Hearthguard had Volkite, one unit of Hearthguard had Plasma, and then they were all equipped with Gauntlets. Nice. Um, it seems like the Votan meta is kind of settling on like a couple builds basically at this point, which is kind of like the one you brought and then kind of the variant you'd brought previously, essentially. Yeah, like I've basically been experimenting around. Uh, we talked a little bit in going into it. So one of the things that made this team event a little bit different is it was only four man teams, uh, which mm -hmm. makes some of the pairing choices a little bit weirder and also the possibility for there to be skew lists or um, for some teams to not have specific armies entirely uh, yeah. the second place team didn't have eldari as an example uh, that's nice to see i won't lie. yeah they did not exceptionally gonna... well yeah uh, except against us <laughs> and uh elo woozle wants to know how you're doing on air miles this year jeremy uh so here's the thing is that um so this weekend i flew to two events that is true however this event uh, yeah, so I guess I did get these near miles, but for both uh, Montreal and Quebec, we drove because they're fairly close by. Uh, I guess WTC would have gotten me some air. Yeah, I, I've, I've collected a considerable number of air miles. I'm hoping that WTC next year is just paid for entirely by that. Um, and yes, Tim, you're watching in the background. Come join us. Yeah, it's funny to look over at my Discord and see that we've been tagged in something and see Tim complaining that he's not like invited to the inside of this one but Tim Penny can definitely come he has to grab a can some candy <laughs> i mean i wish i had so. candy i'm gonna be going to the thing but yeah um yeah I'm, I'm i'm getting a fair amount of air miles from my travel and but i will say i've told my locals to hold me to this if ever i say i'm more doing more than two events in a month to remind me of how i feel right now which is just exhausted because 
as I talked to some people a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to, to San Diego to help out with the Kelly Cup this week because that would have been five weeks in a row that I was away from home. Um, and I've just instead. been <laughs> slowly burning the candle at both ends. So instead, I'm going to be doing stats coverage, but from home. So I get yep. to spend some quality time with my lovely wife and spend some time with my cats, who one of which the little black one, Logan, that people have met uh, is very, very heartbroken every time I leave the apartment now. Instead, you also get to spend some time with me on the internet, like we usually do. Like, I like this. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it works out because I think I'm going to be doing all the vocals, and then me and Jeremy will have like a back chat, and we'll figure out a way to maybe mix Jeremy in on video as well somehow. Yeah, Ben, I would love to take those miles, transfer them to another portal, and multiply them. But our rewards programs up here in Canada are very different than the systems that. Uh, that Cliff and Tim described. I've gone through that process and looked into it. But no, um, I am still following as many of their tips as they possibly can. So go check out X and one for travel tips. Yep. And then I guess we'll talk a little bit more about your like round around stuff in a minute. Yeah. Once we have like a third person to like bounce some more stuff off of. Um, I guess my weekend, I ran essentially a small invitational RTT with like seven people is what it ended up being nice. because like when you try to organize a D&D thing, when you try to organize a small RT, RTT invitational, three people at the last minute say that they can't come. So instead of like 10 to 12 people, we had eight, we had seven people, which was fine. Um, basically to say goodbye to a local who's been like pretty central to the 40K competitive side of things. So Godspeed, Roger, as you go to San Jose. Um, I brought three Phoenix Lords to this RTT because it was fun um, and ended up playing my first round into Roger, who brought quadruple Catan, essentially, to this RTT. So I got to watch the Avatar so, like, of Kanan, all three named Catan and a Transcendent with the Sempaternal. With the feel no pain? Ow. Yeah. Um, so while the... Deceiver cleared like a whole flank of stuff, including Aerolith and Carandress, who were like sadly mispositioned by me. The Avatar of Kane and Fuegan killed three Catan on the other side of the board, basically. Um, the Avatar of Kane by himself killed uh, the Nightbringer in combat and then melted the Void Dragon off the table. So, you know, sometimes Impressive. terrible things happen. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a fun yeah. weekend. It was a great weekend. Uh, I'm glad that we got to run it. I, I'm never going to try playing, judging, and TOing an event even at that small size ever again. That was complete nonsense. It gets pretty wild. I've tried it a couple times. I did it at, uh, and this was a mistake, and I do not recommend anyone do this, but we had an Iron Man a week after edition launch. Like a week and a day after the edition launched, we ran an Iron Man at uh, the Red Dragon. Five rounds, 27 people I think we had. Um, and I was basically the one guy that knew all of the rules. Or oh, no. as much of... I, I knew I knew more rules than anyone else. And even at that point, I still wasn't 100% on everything in 10th. So, uh, yeah. Nice. I mean, that sounds terrifying, but also like fun. We don't run a lot of like Iron Man style events near me. So maybe I have to convince my locals to just they put are... up with it for one day because our local store could run a GT. And I think the only way to convince them to do it would be to run an, uh, an Iron Man style GT, like just running five rounds in a day, basically. The Iron Mans are easier sells for people who 
can't commit to the two-day events. And I've noticed that locally. It's less of an issue here locally where when we run two-day events, they usually will sell it as well. But we do have some folks who really do prefer the one-day commitment. Um, they like to joke that they're useless the day after an event. So if they can instead be useless on the Sunday instead of the Monday, things are a lot easier. And I guess Kelly asked the best question, which is what is an Ironman? And it's essentially when you run a GT number of games in one day instead of across two. So you'll run like four to five games in a day instead of just three games like you normally would for an RGT. Oh my gosh, it's a Tom Pane. What up? It's a Timmy. Welcome. Welcome to the main show. Oh, hi. Nice well, of Timmy. Hey, buddy. Sorry. No, he's, uh, no never mind. Oh, wait. <laughs> he said, nope, he's a lifeguard this year. <laughs> That's adorable. That's a great costume for uh, a place with actual bodies of water you want to swim in. Right. Waiting for, right. Waiting for mom to get home. How so was, come on, keep, keep you guys company. How was your weekend in 40K, Tim? Uh, it was good. Went to an RTT um, and uh, went 3-0. and But it was like 40 people, so we had like five undefeated. <laughs> 40 people in an RTT? <laughs> so so we, we have so many new – our star community has blown up. We have so many people uh, now. And, but, like, they don't want to do, like – they don't want to do two-day events, and they don't want to pay the higher ticket price. So we'll have like a 21 person, 25 person GT, but then like a 40 person, 50 person RTT. It's wild. So uh, next month we're bringing back uh, Ironman GTs at a lower cost and we're providing pizza. And we'll see if that works. Uh, try Catered to make and an Ironman. Exactly. Taking all of Jeremy's suggestions from Canada that we were just talking about and condensing them into a single event. Yeah, well, exactly. So if you're doing an Ironman, you only want to take like a half hour for lunch. And that's really hard to do if your players leave for food. Well, yeah. So what we were, the idea was that it was like, we we're going to have a, a shorter like lunch break, like 40, 45, you know, and then provide pizza. So that way less people leave. We also have a bar next door and they come over like about 30 minutes before the round ends and they take like orders so that way they can like make it ahead of time when all the nerds like come over. Um, oh, that's clever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, really, they come like right up to the table. So it's really cool. Um, and then like, Later on, we do the dinner break. The dinner break is only going to be 20 minutes because people will just go to like Wawa or like a gas station or 7 Eleven or something like that, come right back. Uh, it's kind of nice because, like, a one day GT, um, even though a lot of people like there's a lot of people that go to GTs or RTTs and they play until they lose and then they drop. Um, I don't know what it is, but I guess like a lot of people like that feels less bad uh, if the event's only one day. You know, yep. so you have that natural you have that natural attrition. By the time you get to round five, there's only like maybe like eight, eight people playing or something like that. So yeah, we when we ran our first local Ironman, we actually gave everyone in the Discord a tag who had completed the event because we mm -hmm. had that same kind of attrition. Uh, like I didn't make it through our second Ironman last okay. year, but I was also recovering from Cobra or COVID. Wow. Well. Um, I love that. We have five dollars, by the way, for Victory College Fund. But we also have Gannons asking how much super chat money to ride the zebra in the back of the picture. Maybe, maybe not on the show, but if it gets high enough, I'll take a picture of me on it later. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There's another reminds me. Can we have the picture of uh, of Tim as a as a hot dog to share in here? Oh yeah, oh, it's in there we can get it. We'll let Tim like grab this. it, and then yeah, let me let me go back. <laughs> An, an, I need an Iron Man Ultra Major. Oh, have to run eight rounds in a day. We had discussed doing that locally. We had actually scheduled it to happen. Uh, we were going to do, I 
think it was nine rounds back to back with like breaks for food here. <laughs> there, there is our our friend and as a hot dog. Um, so I guess I'm going to grab stats for the week. We're going to talk about our short week and stats. And we'll talk about how nothing, nothing is safe or even good anymore, basically. No, I'm kidding. Um, also pull up some of the initial detachment stats for Space Marines, because I know everybody wants to know how Space Marines are doing. Um, although the title of the show might have given, given that away a little bit. Uh, there weren't a lot of events this weekend. I think there was seven events. Um, and the biggest one was the Hellstorm Wargaming event. So some of the numbers from this week are kind of small for player count. We had seven events and then like 350 players. That's about yeah, half of what we normally have. So it's kind of a slow week. Um, so don't anticipate like huge things coming out of this week. In fact, it kind of condenses everything into what we expect even more so than usual. Uh, so at the top, we have Eldari with a with 26 players just to kind of tell you a little bit about how many players we're talking about this weekend uh, with a 67.8% win rate. They only won a single event, although I believe it was the largest event of the weekend that they won seven top fours, 14 top tens and a 3.24 for over rep. So Eldari are still Kings of the castle, um, Kings of the craft world. I don't know. Farseers of the floating planet. Eh. Uh, Leagues of Botan are right behind them. They had 10 players this weekend. Again, we're starting to see that there's not a lot. 60.6% um, for win rate for them. Only a single top four or five top tens, a 1.2 for overrep. Sisters had less than 10 players, so I'm not really going to talk about them, but they did manage to continue kind of that trend that we were seeing with them doing well, which means maybe next week the fall will happen. Every time we say they're doing well, uh, in the past, in ninth edition, they'd fall off the follow the next week. So it hasn't happened yet, but maybe the floor will fall out this next weekend. Uh, Chaos Space Marines were fourth for performance, uh, 27 players, so more players in Eldari. A 56.4% win rate, uh, an event win, three top fours, eight top tens, and a 1.3 for overrep. And then rounding out our top five, just to tell you about how weird of a weekend this is, and mostly because they didn't have a lot of players who have Adeptus Mechanicus in the top five. Five players, 56.3% win rate. And it's mostly just one guy who won an event, and then three top fours, eight top tens, and 1.34 for over up there. So basically one person winning an event. And then on the bottom, it gets a little weird. Uh, Tau were the worst performing faction over the weekend. Uh, 17 players, a 40.2% win rate, followed by Custodies, which will make every Custodies player feel very vindicated. I'm sure a bunch of them are going to be yelling vindication at the top of their lungs after hearing me say that. Uh, they had a 40.4% win rate, uh, one top 10 and no other placements. Chaos Demons, who had only four players uh, and a 41.3% win rate. Thousand Suns with 10 players, 41.8% uh, win rate, and one top 10 placement. And then Grey Knights, uh, who had th 13 players, a 42.2% win rate, one top four, four top 10s for a 0 0.93. Uh, the worst performing faction that also won an event was, Grey was Dark Angels, who did win an event with a 42.3% win rate. A top four, three top tens, and then a 0 0.86. And I've already received a DM with somebody yelling vindication at the top of their lungs about the custody stuff. 
uh, which will <laughs> never get exhausting, not even once. Um, and then in a role reversal, orcs are also in the bottom. Strangely enough, Drakari not, but they only had one player over the weekend, so let's not get too excited. <laughs> um, yeah, we're not looking at the Drakari numbers very closely right now because we've had, what, 60 games in the last two weeks? Yeah, they 12 are. 12 players half, total. Half that's been scary. Yeah. Tenth. And there's yeah. only like. <laughs> um, the hardest thing about it is, I think, for the second least played faction, other than Adeptus Mechanicus at this point, Sisters have seen kind of a surge in popularity again after their event win and kind of have kind of grown out of their bottom most represented faction, aside from Adeptus Mechanicus, into like the fourth most, fourth least represented faction or something like that. I don't know what to make of it. Um, and then I, I think, promised I'd pull out faction stats. So I'm going to grab those for a second while you, you can say something. Curious. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so there's a tab that just shows the Marine faction set, subset if you want to see that. Uh, it it's factions seem to be bracket SM. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be working. One second. Oh. I got it. All right. I had done this earlier anyways. So Okay. I think... To little surprise for most people, though, is that Iron Storm Spearhead is kind of performing the best across the board, whether that's Codex compliant or non Codex compliant factions. Uh, the only one who kind of bucks that trend is Space Wolves, who are using Stormlands a lot and have like a 55% win rate with it across the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, or 50.3. But even for them, Iron Storm is like right behind it at a 48.6% win rate. Uh, that also still has a lot of Gladius task force numbers, though, in that number. Um, for generic Space Marines, Ironstorm Spearhead has a 50.1% in, like, the last couple weeks of data. Followed kind of shortly behind that by Gladius, which is at, like, a 42.6. Vanguard Spearhead is also doing okay with a 44.2. Dark Angels... Uh, 57.6% win rate with Iron Storm Spearhead. These player counts are very low, so let's not take like all of this and be like, oh, this is 100% certain Iron Storm Spearhead is the best, but currently that's kind of where the numbers are bare. I mean, out, right? let's be honest. Iron Storm was the easiest one to see strengthen because it made gun good. Yep. Although even for Blood Angels, who gun good is not usually in their like title uh they had ten, they've had 10 players who've played iron storm spearhead for a 47.3 percent win rate which mm -hmm. is the highest of all their sub factions yep and then even black templar had a couple people play iron storm spearhead to an 80 percent win rate so the reason for that is all of those five point multi-melpas that they get on their vehicles mm -hmm. they are generally not running like crusader squads or anything like that they're just running vehicle spam with the tech marines and then paying the five point premium for a multi-melta which if you don't want anything from any other chapter, is actually a pretty good deal. I mean, otherwise, uh, the vast majority of the players, like 43 of the players, essentially. <laughs> I like how Tim is just trolling me specifically <laughs> by bringing up Innis' comment. He didn't I even saw care. That. He's just there. I'm, just, I'm just here to keep you guys company. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate you for it, buddy. Uh, Angel Siege uh, Force is doing not great. No, I there's very low representation like on the whole for anything outside of Ironstorm Spearhead or like specific some stuff. But Firestorm Assault Force isn't doing too great in a lot of instances either. Some people were kind of hoping it would be good, but it's only at like the low, the high 30s to low 40s for win rate. And actually, I think that's just because that's harder to play. It requires a lot more like 
inceptors if you don't have them to play like kind of what I've seen as the idealized list. People have been playing 15, list 15 to 18 inceptors in Iron Storm is a hell of a drug. Yep. And a lot of places are just sold out of inceptors. You can't even buy them. So what are you going to do to fill out it's all like of your they've inceptors? been good multiple times over the last several years and they just keep hitting supply shocks. That's why in the last Dorian... episode, the last episode I really recommended people grab the uh the Dark Angels uh, Combat Patrol, because that box is very good. The the new Space Marine Combat Patrol, it's fine if you just want the new sculpts. Um, it doesn't have a lot of meta value. And mm -hmm. honestly, the new Christmas box was, we, Clip and I weren't very impressed with it. But the Dark Angels box, like that, it never misses. It continues to be good. I mean, even the, if you can still find it, the Iron Hands box is pretty good. Uh, it's got two Redemptors in it, two Primaris Tech Marines, which is what you want. I actually just sold one of those on eBay not too long ago, and I saw one. Actually, I saw two or three of them for sale um, when I was at GW Tampa, the little mobile store they had set up there. So if you which go to GW, the, the Iron the Hands, Hands one, one with the double Redemptors. Oh, yeah, there were... There were, there were a few three of them there. at the store, if not a few yeah. more. But yeah, those were real good value. I remember seeing and that. that I was like, combat patrol is like perfect. Yeah, I looked at. It, I was like, I was like, ooh, only if I played Marines. Oh well, then I went home. No, you could always play Marines. Nah. I was... I've officially decided I can't play Marines. I like started to collect and paint them, and then I realized that I was just going to be buying models forever to keep up with it. Um instead of some of the more established lines which are kind of like done <laughs> so yeah i want to actually be able to like go on vacations this year so <laughs> i went ahead and skipped the marines <laughs> they do have beautiful models and i will be like very sad if i never pick up one of those company of heroes boxes because that box is beautiful the sculpts in it amazing um for the command squad but yeah they are pretty i, I was I, very i tempted. love these models so much uh, even, like, I have God knows how many Ancients at this point, but even the chapter Ancient, they did such a good job with his sculpt. I love it. Like, he actually feels like, you know, someone who's supposed to be leading his troops into battle. Like, the fact that they've brought back all of the, like, tabard and rose robe, robe aesthetics that they had kind of stopped using, I guess, would be the best way of putting it for a lot of, uh, a lot of the Primaris stuff. Like, we're seeing it now with the Sternguard veterans, with the company heroes, all of them are just, they just look amazing. And to Dorian's point, actually, it's funny because I think that orcs are one of the easier armies to collect because you can basically turn anything into an orc vehicle given that makes time fun. and opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Dorian, um, as, your gets old, as Tim, Tim, as your kid gets older, you can just repurpose like Mr. Potato Head into a can or something. I have um I play orcs and chaos and it feels like orcs are like half of my collection and I own I own all the chaos factions. Nice. <laughs> it feels like the horde to the horde living situation though in the 40k is like you have boys coming out of like shelves that you never expected boys to come out of. I have most of my infantry painted. And by most I mean like 70% of it, but I am still painting buggies. Still. <laughs> And I bought, like these, the, I bought these buggies like four or five years ago. Are they still the old buggies with like 
that look like go-karts kind of situation or ATVs kind of situation, or if they updated that sculpt in like the last 10 years, I can't remember. No, I mean, it's, it's been updated. It, it was a uh, eighth edition that came out with the speed freaks box. Uh, and then they started. Yeah, like, yeah. No, those, those are the newer ones. They're pretty, yeah, nice. the newer ones. Yeah. They're pretty cool. They made a, there's a computer game about it too, which is a lot of fun. Um, oh, the it's that like, game is hilarious. That game is that. awesome. That, that game makes me want to like dig the buggies out again. Every time I play it, it's, it was funny playing it for like a couple weekends in a row because it's just mindless, twisted metal-esque fun with classes essentially for everything where you're just running around and occasionally have to race each other and that's it. Yeah. The I am an absolute menace with the war boss on the trike. I loved the tank so much just Thank because it was place. just funny to walk around. Just You're not getting anywhere quick. Never. The, um, the shock jump dragster I am terrible at that, but it's so fun. I basically just am a big distraction card effects because I just I just can't hit anything with that stupid gun, but I just keep pressing the button to go fast. It's good times. I love yeah, it. And then big to, and flashy on the screen. And then to shove structure back onto this as we go way far off tangent. Um, I'm going to show. Well, that's what happens when you invite me on the show. I don't mind, bud. Um, so this is essentially. I guess I should zoom out so this is better. There we go. This is a metadata dashboard. You can see kind of the contraction after the balance patch. Um, most of the factions have kind of settled somewhat into the balance range, except for a few. And then you've got Eldari who have kind of bounced off the balance patch over the last couple uh, in the four week running average. So Eldari have kind of started to skirt right back to where they were a little bit. So we'll see kind of if that keeps up in the four-week rolling average based on the last couple of weeks of stats it probably like will continue that. to bounce back up <laughs> yeah it definitely was oh look we had an effect oh wait we did not um so all are kind of bouncing back up the feel-good story though of the balanced data patch is definitely leagues of otan who have gone from the worst faction or among like the bottom three factions in the game to being like one of the best factions in the game uh just from that balance patch essentially yeah oh oh mr ben mcurick if you're saying elves are terrible, I dare you to lose all six games this weekend. Prove that they're bad. <laughs> if you win more than three games, we'll make sure they get nerfed. Maybe you'll play orcs again. I don't think that's going to happen, but... I want uh, you to play orcs. And then just to share kind of like what the other tab kind of looks like from the metadata dashboard which you can find if you're listening to this as a podcast you can go to stat-check.com slash the meta and look at this a little bit later this is since codex space marine release Eldari at a 63 percent overall win rate chaos space marines and then sisters leagues of otan and then gene stealer colt kind of rounding out we've kind of went from just one faction outside of the balance window to five factions outside of the balance window and although on the bottom. yeah although sisters like or I'm a little skeptical of if whether or not that will maintain pace because uh, their meta representation is basically games zero. Games. It's like 66 or 67 yeah, games. It's not a lot. Watching it carefully, not particularly concerned yet. Yeah, because like Drukari is the second least represented um, in this data set, and they have like 62 games or something like that in this data set, and they're at 53%. But yeah, so their meta representation is basically zero. Um, yeah, so I mean, the meta is still okay. It's This isn't the worst situation imaginable. You have a few factions who are outside the window, a few factions who are under the window, most of the factions within the window. It's well, not the worst situation, but it's not great either. 
One of the things that I find really interesting is orcs have slipped a lot. Uh, when the balanced data slate first came out, for the first couple of weeks afterwards, orcs were doing reasonably well. Like they were, yeah. they were, they were cresting over that fifty-five percent win rate mark. And then, if you look at this snapshot that you're looking at right now, which is just looking at what we're calling the Leviathan one point four meta, which is since the Space Marine Codex came out, so just two weeks of data, small samples. Um, but they're sub 50% now, not by much, but they are sitting below that. So it'll be interesting to see what shakes out over the next few weeks as they get more games and representation in. Yeah. And so we'll keep an eye on it. Um, I continue my Chaos Space Marine watch, where that's yeah. a faction that kind of punches real hard and has kind of started to keep up with Eldari and GT1. Well, they only have the last... four games less, fewer, fewer, four games fewer. Yeah, four games fewer than Eldari. So like those numbers mm. are both in terms of like statistically relevant are both right up there and their rate of gt wins has kind of caught up to eldari i don't think they're ever going to hit where eldari's at at this point in the cycle eldari yep. has almost won as many games as tyranids won last edition or, or gts as uh, tyranids won over the course of the tyranids new book last edition um i think over the next couple of weeks we'll probably see them surpass it it's like I don't think chester oh well, yeah he was playing chester he was playing orcs before but uh, he's not playing orcs this weekend at Cali. Yeah, that's all I'm going to share about it. All right. It looks like we're going to lose Tim Penny. So Tim Penny's going to head off to do some trick-or-treating and leave us to our own devices. Thank you, Tim, for joining us and keeping us company. Uh, do you want to talk about your team tournament kind of rounds? And then we'll switch over to talking about Cali Cup for a little bit. Yeah, sure. Let me quickly load up the event, but this shouldn't take very long. Because um, I have terrible memory when it comes to parents. So I usually just pull up my event and go through, oh, this is who I actually played. Um, so we, I'll, while I'm bringing this up, we'll talk a little bit about our team comps. Like I said, four-man teams. Um, first, I'm actually going to, before I go to comp, I'm going to talk a little bit about pairings. So head over to Enter the Matrix, deep dive on five-man pairings. Four-man pairings gets really weird really fast. Um, because in four-man pairings, for anyone not familiar with team pairings, the way that the systems generally work and the way that we were playing this weekend is that both teams rock up to the table. They each put down what is known as a defender card each. They reveal them simultaneously. Uh, and then each team will put forward two attackers. The team that put down the defender each picks up the, de the defender cards, chooses one, puts it down, rejects the other one. Uh, and then those form two matches. Normally in five, six, eight-man teams, you then repeat this process. In four-man teams, you only do it once because you each put down a defender. You each put down two attackers. So you've now put down three cards. Your fourth card is immediately your champion or your forgotten or your reject or, yeah, your forgotten or your champion, depending on how important you want to make them feel. And so you put them down. Those two are guaranteed to be playing against each other. You then choose who your attackers are playing, or your defender is going to play, and both those rejects play each other. So there's three decisions that you make in pairing for four-man's teams. Your initial defender, your two attackers, and then who they play. Uh, which makes things really challenging if you mess up your pairing order. Yeah, that, uh, that so, seems like you don't have a lot of choices, so you better make all the right choices. Yeah, and similarly, uh, table pick becomes very impactful because um, the way that it works is once you've rolled it out, you then... Uh, once you've done your first pairing, you roll between the teams, and the winner chooses the first table and the third table. When that happens, that means that they are actually picking the first, third, fourth table. So mm -hmm. if you lose that roll-off, you only pick one table, and it's for your defender, and that's it. 
brutal, actually. We lost the table pick roll five out of five times. We did not get to pick the tables aside from our defender once that weekend. And we it was funny because uh, so Riley did our pairings for us. Um, and he did the roll for the first two rounds, I think it was. Failed both of them. So we put we said, like, all right, John, it's your turn to roll. He failed. My turn to roll. I failed. Garrett's turn to roll. He failed. We were just like, okay, so we're all just cursed when it comes to this. But we won every round that we were. So I guess that was just the penalty that we had to pay. Um, you said so to work a little team, bit harder. Yeah, so our team, we just basically focused on bringing what we felt were the four strongest armies within the current meta, but also four armies that we would all feel comfortable on. So Riley, unsurprisingly, took Eldari. Um, he is a very experienced Eldari player. He's played a fair amount of it when he wasn't practicing for the WTC as he was our Gene Stealer cult player. Um, and so he just brought a list that he could shellack people all weekend long. I think he dropped two differential points all weekend nice i'm no i'm no, I'm no curious uh yeah 19 20 19 20 20 we joked that he should have dropped a point on the last one to make it symmetrical to go 19 20 19 20 19 uh, and then he instead said i shouldn't have dropped those two points on games one and three so it was uh so anyway so round one um pairings were all random oh. for the teams sorry comp oh. comp Yes. What was the Riley rest was, of the team? Yeah, Riley was on Eldari. <laughs> um, he brought uh, Yinkarn. Uh, I can't remember the rest of the list, but there was a Yinkarn in it. That's all you really need to know. Uh, and 10 Wraithguard. And then whatever else he needed to support that. We had uh, John Kilcullen from Goonhammer, who was on Tau. Uh, he was actually running a no crisis suit list. He ran double hammerhead, double riptide, and 30 breachers and double fish, which was just a, I'm going to get a 10 no matter who I play into. And he did that all weekend long. He never won big. He never lost big. He just got reliable points every single round. He did an exceptionally nice. good job of that. Uh, and then we had Garrett Olson, who's from the PAW up in Manitoba. Uh, he was on CSM. He was playing, I can't remember if it was exactly Liam VSL's uh, LGT list or if it was a slight tweak on it, but it was the same theme as that. Uh, and he did, again, very well with that list. I think he dropped a game or two, uh, but scored really good points throughout it. And then I ran my Votan, as I mentioned earlier in the episode. It was the 20 Hearthguard, two units of bikes, 30 Warriors, five Sagittars, and then support characters. Just a really good put pressure on the arm, on, on the enemy, uh, and then double drop the Hearthguard in and usually break their back. So round one, we played into, and you'll love the team names this weekend, by the way. Uh, but round one, we paired into the Michael Scott Paper Company. <laughs> I like it so far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it, it was great. Uh, they were a super fun team. Uh, I played into their custodies. Uh, and this was actually... I had two tough matches this weekend. This was the most, this was the most annoying one to play. Uh, because this mission was priority targets, hidden supplies, and crucible of battle, if I remember correctly. Which meant that we had... You know, priority targets for anyone not familiar. You get five points for holding one objective. You get five points for holding another objective. And at the end of the game, you get five points for each objective that you hold to a max of 15. Yep. This is one of those missions that's often viewed as a draw mission because there are four no man's land objectives and your home objective counts for primary. So you just need to choose one of those no man's land objectives and your home objective to get 40 primary and 50 if you don't die at the end of the game. 
Uh, and so I was playing into Custodes. It was not the most optimal list. It was three units of Custodian Guard, two little Laris units, and two Warden Bricks, one led by a Brilliant Champion, one led by Trajan. Um, and, you know, I started off fairly strong, did a lot of damage to him. Uh, and then he started to be able to push me back to the point where I couldn't deny his primary anymore because he had managed to sweep round and basically fully secure a flank. Uh, so I ended up with, I think it was an 11-9. It was like 95 to 85. That's close, yeah. Yeah, like I, at one point I was like, this is going to be a 10-10. I'm not going to lose because I'm going to get 95 points. So I can't lose on differential, but he is getting really close to tying this round. Uh, and I managed to deny, I think it was like his last round of secondaries to, to hold him to that 85. Um, now, thankfully, that was all I needed because I was going into this and I was just basically looking to blunt the, the custody scoring. <laughs> Uh, it went pretty well. Um, but yeah, that mission combo was rough. So it takes yeah, because... too. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, with custodians can still hold objectives just fine. If they don't have to go places fast, they can just sit there and they can just apply like pressure on WTC boards, right? If the terrain's dense enough. Yep, they can exactly. kind of skirt around and breach terrain and kind of push you steadily backwards with bodies. Yep. Oh, this is who I meant to thank. Nathan Skrzuti, I think is his name. I'm probably pronouncing it badly. He's one of the other ones that helped put on the event because uh, we played his team round two. Uh, PIGS Resurgent. Pigs Resurgent. I don't actually know the origin of the name or what PIGS stands for. Super nice group of guys. Um, I played into their Drukhari player, Anthony. And it was, again, a draw mission. It was hidden supplies. Uh, I think it was corner deployments in this particular case. And it was taken hold. Fair. So it was five points for every objective you hold in your command phase to a max of 15 every turn. Yeah. And then player who has bottom of turn scores that one on their on the end at the end of the game. Uh, and so, you know, I went first, pushed hard into him, basically locked him in his zone, uh, started dropping terminators on him and couldn't knock him off his home objective. And also couldn't reach his scourges and his mandrakes in time, so they were just flying and teleporting all over the table. And so he just played keep away against my very slow army once my transports were dead, died to all of his dark lances. Um, me just trying to run and knock him off objectives uh, ended up, you know, it was a 16 4 in my favor, but there was this moment where I was like, yeah, it's gonna be a 20 0. And then I looked at the board and went, nope, you're gonna score a 15 at the end of the game because I can't stop those four objectives from flipping. And you're gonna score your, you know, end game secondaries as well. Uh, so turned into a 16-4. Anthony was a lovely gentleman. He recognized that he had been very heavily thrown under the bus by his team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you immediately look at that and you're like, well, there's no world in which the Votan can't untransport the person and no world in which they can't kill everything that's on the table with shooting because the best save in that army is essentially like a five-up invulnerable save. <laughs> Six-up invulnerable. Oh, yeah, it's mostly six up and vulnerables now on most yep. things. Every time Sorry. I put my my grav or my Sagittar bolters or anything into a raider or like as soon as I saw any of the raiders, venoms or uh, ravagers that he had, they just mm -hmm. disappeared. They just go away. Yeah, They're he did a really good job of, of scraping back the points that he did get in that game. So I did kind of congratulate him on that because it was a rough matchup. Uh, but yeah, so that was round two. Um, so going into round three, round three, we played Purge the Foe. Fun. You're seeing a you're seeing a theme here. Yeah. Slowly. I just went into this and I was like, all right, so my list, 
does not do well on Purge the Foe in terms of differential scoring because I've got a lot of trash. I've got 19 units in the army and most and about half of them will die through the course of the game. So right. my opponent is going to score the kill and sometimes the kill more portion of right. the primary. So I can make him so he sits on no objectives, which I did this game, but he's still going to kill me and score a whole bunch of primary. Mm -hmm. uh, so I played into, so we were playing into flat top gamers. Uh, I was playing into uh, Ian Robertson. He was playing, I think it was Gladius. No, it was Gladius, uh, specifically Ultramarines, because he had Ural Ventress in, in the list. Uh, oh, so he had used Ural and Marnius Calgar. So he had Marnius Calgar and a Biologus Apothecary with Molter mm -hmm. Discipline attached to an Aggressor Brick. He used Ural <laughs> Ventress to give them Deep Strike. And then, you know, would use them yeah. to ruin someone's day. Yeah. Um, a nice a nice little hammer unit. Yeah, you know, it, and it, and it was a really good hammer unit. It was the one unit he had left at the end of the game. Because everything <laughs> else died. And then I was out of resources to deal with the hammer unit. I said, you move five inches a turn. You stay over there. You'll hold your one objective. You might kill one of my units. And I'm going to sit over here in your backfield, homering and cleansing on your side. Right. Uh, and so that's what I did. Uh, similarly to the last game, it was something that was looking like it was going to be like 20 and then I stopped killing him, and he started killing me a little bit more. So he scored just that little bit more of primary than I was expecting, and it ended up being a 16-4. Again, fantastic opponent. He also recognized that he was severely outgunned on the uh, on the bullets front. Um, he had a bunch of tanks that were not efficient into my warriors. And uh, yeah, oh, um, shout out to Stephen Lind, who is in the chat right now, Canadians Lind. Uh, he was playing for the FAAC Buddies, uh, who won Best Presentation at the event. They had an absolutely gorgeous set of armies that nice. were on presentation. Uh, so, yeah, so that was round three. Uh, so, going into round four, we are one of, because there were 16 teams at the event, we were one of two teams that were 3-0. and So, the next round would essentially just determine the winner. Um, not necessarily, because you can always lose your last round. Yeah. Uh, but the next morning, we were into Know Your Role, who had uh, Adam Green, who was on Team Canada, but not the traveling team last year, uh, Aiden Garcia Amadi, Darren Jack, who, along with Adam, is applying for Team Canada this year, uh, and David Corrin. And this was the team that I was talking about that finished in second. Uh, they had Dark Angels playing Vanguard, uh, Spearhead. They had Necrons, who were running a double-edged guard brick. Uh, Darren was running Orcs with Gazgul in a battle wagon. And then David Corn was running Grey Knights with a couple Terminator bricks and a big Paladin brick. That's uh, a whole bunch of primary, like, suffocation lists, essentially, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and we got pretty much exactly the pairings that we wanted to. We got I, me into the Necrons because Lich Guard bricks evaporate normally under my army. We'll be able to story about that <laughs> afterwards. Um, Riley got into Darren's Orcs. Um, we got John into Adam's Deathwing Knight brick running Vanguard with the infiltrators, infiltrators uh, and then Garrett got into their Grey Knights. Uh, it was basically exactly the pairings we wanted, and after talking to them a little bit, uh, it turns out it was because Adam was very confident that he could beat John's uh, Tau. So my game against Aiden was a very funny game. It was a fun game. We had a good time. Um, he made a couple mistakes early on that really kind of tilted the, the game in my favor. But one of the things that he had done was he had moved up. He had two units of Tomb Blades that he was using for early cleanses. And then he would move up the Lich Guard bricks into the middle of the board, 
we're playing sites of power. So sitting a Lich Guard brick with a character in the middle is going to score you a lot of primary. So I knew that I had to act decisively fast and just put a lot of pressure on him. He went first, he moved up, and he moved one of his Tomb Blade units in sight of my uh, Thunderkin unit that I'd started on the board on the line because like, he had no shooting I was worried about. I overwatched. Thunder, those unaware, Thunder can overwatch on fives. Wiped the unit, and that unit had been one of the units that I had given the Ruthless Efficiency token to. So it meant that on my turn one, I got three bonus CP. <laughs> Look, man, I can just do whatever I want now, strategy-wise. My economy uh, so has been fixed. He had moved up and advanced up a Lich Guard Brick because he wanted to get his second cleanse. So he had advanced it and paid the one CP to... Um, turn their weapons assault makes sense yeah rolled it up into the middle objective cleansed uh and then i put four sagittars a unit of thunderkin and two units of warriors into it and killed everything except for the characters which meant there was a lich guard brick and a unit of crypto thralls no longer in contention and that flank in the middle just collapsed makes sense and then is where the game got really weird so on turn two, he you know he basically just keeps that other Lich Guard brick on the middle, uh, keeps bouncing around his... Um, he mo starts moving his Transcendent Satan towards the middle to do damage and puts Ophidians in my backfield to just homers. I didn't bother trying to stop the homers. I was trying to play Primate Denial. And so I was like, okay, what I'm going to do, move the Thunderkin up, I'm going to drop in the Terminators, and I'm going to try to wipe the other Lich Guard brick. And before I do that, I'm going to drop my, my, my other unit of Hearthguard behind and try to kill the reanimator because if i kill the reanimator he gets significantly fewer models back through the right. course of the game the reanimator lived that round on one wound that form feel no pain yeah and then on round three <laughs> froze for a second sorry there you did too so i think that was probably <laughs> on my end <laughs> Oh, that's fine. I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. Jeremy's not reacting to the Fort Feel No Pain comment. No, the Fort Feel No Pain was rough because then on round three, it lived on one wound. Oh, Again. no. And now I'm getting a little worried. <laughs> so I'd put two rounds of, of Hearthguard shooting into it with the Volkites. Uh, the first round, it didn't have a token. Second round, it had a token. So I was like, okay. Um, and the Lich Guard brick just kept living and just kept reanimating. I think I killed like 20 Lich Guard out of that unit. And the unit was still alive at the end of five. Um, and then finally on turn four, I kill the uh, reanimator. But at this point, he's gotten my command phase twice, his command phase twice, my shooting phase twice, hit both of our fight phases. He's gotten like seven or eight D3 more wounds back on that unit than he should have. Which that right there is, you know, eight or nine Lich Guard more than he should have ever, he should have had in that unit. And I'll admit, Part of that was my mistake. I put, <laughs> I did a little bit of split fire and a little bit of split charging when I should have just said, nope, all this goes here because that needs to die. But I thought six wounds should die, but it would go down to one wound and then he'd make two or three, four up feel my pains on the last couple and be like, well, I have nothing else to put into that. <laughs> this is bad. Uh, so again, like it was one of these things where it was probably gonna be like a 15-5 or a 16-4 and it ended up being a 13-7. He just managed to scrape those points back by recognizing that if he just sat there and scored the, 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 the three for holding, the three for having a character on it, and then the three for his home, he was gonna score a lot more primary than I had planned on him scoring. 
Yeah. Um, I did hold his cleanse down low because we realized that crypto thralls don't have pistols anymore. That would do it. Yeah. Once ledge guard bricks are in combat. So I just ran Hearthguard into him and said, you can't cleanse. And that was when the, uh, this is, this, this was a good shot. I had a good chuckle of this because I'd forgotten about it. I had killed that lich guard brick in the crypto thralls. So that attached unit was gone in the first one, but the Lord and the tech cryptic I had left alive. And it was like, yeah, they're not gonna do anything. And the cryptic wandered around onto that main objective and just started cleansing it. <laughs> Well, I'm sitting there stuck in combat with the other one, and he has lone ops. So even my guys that are sitting further back can't shoot them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and all right. <laughs> You're going to get a couple turns of cleanse, and I can't do anything about it. Um, and Linda's right. Uh, split fire failing is a uniquely terrible 40k feeling. Oh, it's... Um, I did it multiple times over the weekend where I was like, I'm just going to put like a couple guns over there. And then you watch somebody make like a couple four up and vulnerable saves or a couple feel no pains. And then all of a sudden you're like, I made a mistake. Yep. No, we've talked about it before. We were actually talking about it in our team chat earlier today when we were doing a bit of a debrief on the weekend. Uh, one of the things that came out of that was very much a, like, some players are very much regimented into the average dice says this dies. But if you need something to die, average dice is never enough. Get, you, you should get yourself like, all the way over. Yeah, get yourself all the to like way the into 90th like the 100% percentile of that thing dying. If that means you have to uh, yeah. double the amount of stuff that you put into it, you double the number amount of stuff that you put into it. Because again, if that reanimator had died turn two, like I had planned on, his other flank collapses and it's probably a 20 out. Makes sense. But I split fire and paid the price for it. <laughs> so um, who is your last pairing then? So our last pairing, and this was actually a little unfortunate. Um, on our last pairing... So we had finished the round. We are now 4-0. So we were going to pair down into another team that was like 3-1 at the time or 2-1-1. So that, you know, if we beat them, they would fall even further down the rankings, which I don't really like about five-round team events where there's only 16 teams. But it also makes sense because sometimes, like, for example, if we had drawn the Know Your Role team, then that last round would matter because right. we would either want to win, draw, and score more points than them to finish high. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, so going into that, so we we knew that we were going to play Nemesis Gaming because they were uh, the only three one team that we hadn't played at this point. Okay. Except Nemesis dropped. Oh. Yeah. Now they were from, if I remember correctly, Edmonton, which was a five or six hour drive away. The weather that weekend had been kind of iffy in true prairie fashion. We had been having snow on and off. There were a couple of times when we had whiteout conditions, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was one of those ones where we were like, oh, this kind of sucks. So <laughs> the TOs came up to us. Tyler was very apologetic. He's like, you guys might get a buy. You've already won the event, but we'll try to, you know, find you something. And so we do appreciate that. Like, um, and there was a bit of talk around there. Uh, and what ended up happening was uh, the day or two days before the event, uh, one of the teams had to drop. And so there was a team of replacement players that banded together and served as, I mean, they were actually played under the replacements for the weekend. Uh, <laughs> and like so we talked with them um, and they were gracious enough to basically drop. And then just the pairings were redone for the entire round. Uh, pairing uh, Nemesis into the replacements, the replacements got the buy win. Uh, and then we ended up playing into Saskatoon Vipers. Um, or Saskatchewan Vipers. I can't remember which one it is. I'm sure Riley will correct me later. Um, <laughs> Either way, they're a local team, uh, and you could very much tell from playing them 
that they were someone, they were players that had played around Riley, who is an exceptionally talented player very often uh, because they held us to our lowest score this weekend. We won this round by two points. Oh, wow. Every other round we had won by like 15 or 20 points. Uh, we were usually, we were averaging, I think it was between 60 and 65 points out of the 80 available points to our team uh, that weekend. And we only scored 45 points. So credit to them. They paired well. They played well. Um, I actually lost uh, my last game. I lost my last game. I, I first was blaming bad dice. Uh, and then after the yesterday, as I was doing my usual debrief on every game, I realized that I forgot one of my own rules. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> yes, it happens to me too. <laughs> Even someone who judges still forgets these things. Um, so what happened was I was paired into Tyranids. It was Invasion Fleet, whole bunch of big bugs, uh, two Exocrines, two Maliceptors, a Tyranifex with the Rupture Cannon, uh, the Hive Tyrant with the Feel No Pain uh, Relic, and then our Enhancement. Uh, and then some... What's the chaos? He had a Biovore, obviously. Uh, a couple Pyrovores and a a big unit of uh, mind bugs. What are they called? Zoanthropes. Yeah, zo zoanthropes. I was like, they have a neurothrope in them now, right? Yeah, they do anyway. have a neurothrope as a sergeant. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I had so I patterned him, and I was feeling you know a little iffy because he has a lot of high toughness bugs. I he doesn't kill me fast enough usually for him to accumulate tokens. I have to be really careful with how I allocate my tokens. I made some mistakes there. But the other mistake that I made, and this is going into like later on in the game, but he popped the shadow on turn two, and I failed nine out of my 11 Battleshock tests on the table. So Votan is leadership seven, which isn't great. He had a Neuro Tyrant, which meant that I was saving on, I was, I was making all my tests on eights. And, you know, it should be a little bit less than half. Like, yeah, I should fail like six or seven tests, not nine. Um, but all told, I did pass exactly one of the tests that I needed to pass out of the four because I had four units on an objective that wasn't currently sticky to me. <laughs> and one unit of those four passed. And I was like, good. I now have that. <laughs> then for everything else, I was like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, and so I tried to position myself. I had some bikes locked in combat that were now battle shock. So if I fell back with them, I was going to lose you know, as many, usually only one, but could lose one or two of them. So I decided to keep them in combat because they were the comp Maliceptor and the Maliceptor could, just wasn't going to kill them, which is a very sad thing to say, come to think of it, but it's got, it has the ability to kill three bikes. It, it's not going to though. <laughs> it has the potential to, but it has to hit and wound with all three of its attacks. Yes. It's not doing it. And me to fail all my saves because it is only AP two. You do have to fail saves. It yeah. No, it's, it's not, like saves, so likely. not likely. So I just decided to leave them there and figure eventually they'll pass Battle Shock. Mistake. Um, <laughs> because I forgot that he had uh, uh, Raveners sitting like twelve inches away from the bikes. Uh, so he would yes. just he just moved them up, charged the bikes, got them in a really good position, and obviously wiped the bikes. Right. So that was unfortunate. Um, so I made a couple of positioning errors. We were playing Scorched Earth. Um, we both tried to burn objectives early, and then we just didn't have the resources to burn objectives after that because we were sitting on the objectives that we wanted to be scoring. Right. Um, and so we went back and forth. I continued to fail a lot of Battleshock tests, which was 
you know, it happens. I played around it. I tried to get the points that I could, uh, but it'd be like, I'd have, you know, six units on the battlefield that were below half strength and they would all fail battle shock. And I go, well, I'm glad that warrior unit over there has five models in it because I can't fail battle shock. So it's just going to get me my five <laughs> points on primary every turn and it's going to cleanse every turn. So it's getting me seven points that I can get every turn. I'd have like three units in his deployment zone. They'd all fail battle shock. So I couldn't even homers. And I'll be like, okay, this is getting. It is. It's the moment where you get to that leadership seven part, and you're like, this is actually a coin flip just every time. It it really was. And then he would also do things, and then it, it and because he had maliceptors, uh, he had some neuroelectors. I killed one of them, but he had another one that's running around. So it meant that I was at like minus one to hit, minus one to wound. Uh, that he'd be plus one to wound me, which would counter like for example, my terminate my hearth guard. One unit of hearth guard just got wiped because they were. <laughs> their battle shock i couldn't use strats on them i couldn't defend them yeah, all, all of a sudden plus one to hit plus one to wound just kind of like pushes some of that tyranny shooting that's not usually amazing but is good into like elite infantry bodies into like the extremely efficient world where all of a sudden they're hitting on twos wounding on twos and just picking up whole squads of units by themselves basically yeah so that was quite interesting and here's where i made the mistake so bottom of five I have second turn. I'm looking at the score. and I was like, okay, this is going to be a 10-10 because he has managed to just sit on primary. He has managed to score his secondaries fairly well because he also he took homers and engaged and he had gotten uh, my deployment zone three times, uh, middle ground twice, and he had gotten, I think it was like 12 points on engage at the end of the game. So I was looking at this and I was like, okay, neither of us have burned up an objective. We're both going to get like 30 primary and we're both going to get about the same on secondaries but I need to hold two at the end of the game or I'm going to lose and it's going to be an 11-9 by one point, which hurts. And so warriors that are sitting on the objective they've been sitting on all game, cleanse it again, everything works. So that's one that, 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 that's, that's one objective help. And then I have two Thunderkin and my Grim Demeanor uh, Iron Master sitting on, an object, on my home objective that they had just finished killing a Trigon in combat, which... By the way, very funny for the Iron Master to kill a Trigon in combat. That's not typical, but yeah, that's cool. No, but I mean, he's strength 9, AP 1, 3 damage. True. And when the Trigon has two tokens, it actually is like I'm hitting him on threes, I'm wounding him on fours, and he's saving on fours because he only has a three-up armor. So, you know, so eventually like, you're going to get there. Eventually. It was like two rounds of combat and a round of shooting to kill it. Uh, and in the meantime, he had chewed through the entire squad except for those two Thunderkin and the Iron Master. Um, right. They failed their battle shock test. Of course. Now I had already, now I had looked at the position. I was like, okay, I need to auto pass the hearth guard in his deployment zone so I can get his, you know, the, the deployment zone homers. And then I I'm gonna roll for the hearth guard that are in sitting in combat with a maliceptor. Because if they're able to fall back and kill that Mali, then I'll hold that objective. Works. So they pass. Uh, and so then I roll for the Thunderkin and they fail. I rolled a five, needed a seven. I'm like, okay, this sucks. Um, so I pay the one CP for the um, hearth guard to fall back and shoot and charge. I move the Thunderkin out so that they can first shoot and then charge into this 11 wound Maliceptor that has two tokens on it. So I'm plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Obviously, if I'm within six and below half, uh, I'm minus one to hit and minus one to wound. Um, so I remember that the Thunderkin ignore mods. So they ignore... Uh, the minuses and all of that. So they hit it, they wound it, they do like two damage in shooting, which is below average, but it's something. 
it's a monster, not a vehicle. It, stuff yeah, like I'm, I'm hitting on threes, wounding on fives, and he's saving on fours. It's not great. Not, and it's 2d6 shots. It's swingy as all hell. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, so then charge in, you know, shoot the Volkites from the other, from the hearth guard. They do two damage. Run in, run everything in, swing, and then it lives on six wounds. So it's not going to die. I'm not going to hold that objective. And so I only score five on primary. And I get my two, and I lose 11-9 by one. So did anyone here pick up, and anyone who's listening right now, on what the mistake was that I made? We're gonna my Iron Master had Grim Demeanor. Uh, which has two things to it. Ignore modifiers on that unit. And reroll Battleshock tests. Mr. Taos in the in the chat has, has caught it. Battleshock setting your OC to zero is a modifier. <laughs> I didn't need to do anything that turn. They just needed to sit there, regardless oh, of whether they failed or passed the leadership no. test, and they would have held the objective. Terrible. Similarly, they reroll battleshock tests. So all game long, I could have been rerolling their battleshock tests. It never comes up with that unit because it's usually just dead or at full strength. Yep. And yep. And then Alexander Singleton points out the other one, the Grand Demeter for the leadership check. So if I had remembered either of those rules, there was a chance that I managed to scrape that back into a 10 10. Thankfully, the rest of my team managed to scrape enough points that we won the round. Like I said, we only won by two. Uh, that was on the back of Riley absolutely rinsing their Votan player 20 0. Um, John managing a 10 10 draw into their Necrons, who most of the time that's not the case for Tau. Tau usually can rip through Necrons without any trouble. But because he was running the double Riptide, double Hammerhead list, uh, he didn't have the Crisis Bricks that really do the volume into uh, right. Necron Warrior or Lich Guard blobs. So he pulled out a draw in that game, which was amazing. Uh, and then Garrett went into Eldari, he went into Zach Hansen, one of the TOs. Uh, who was playing with uh, the Vipers for this weekend. And uh, he had some poor decision-making and also some just atrocious luck. Things like a uh, six-inch char- six rerollable charge, or, or six-inch charge failing, not having the CP for the reroll because he'd used it on full rerolls to hit and wound on an undivided Forge Fiend that had done zero damage to an avatar. And it's kind of like... <laughs> but he managed to like it was it was looking like it was gonna be like a 20 in in Zach's favor and he managed to pull it back to be a 14-6 so he got those few points and so like I said because the final was 45-35 it was a very tight round now had we drawn it wouldn't have changed the outcome for our team but we had gone to this event event with the intention of going 5-0 right. um, uh, but yeah the Vipers gave us our best round in terms of challenging play um, they also got the pairings that they wanted that round, which we did not. It happens. You can't yep. pair perfectly all the time, right? Yep, but that was the weekend. Um, I got a cool little trophy. Um, I like it. Now, nice old I, legends I unit. When we saw it. Yeah, exactly. We were like, <laughs> I mean, technically this model <laughs> does still have rules because you can take one scout with a sniper rifle in a scout unit now. Yes. The, but you're the never going to take the 
the Thunderhammers will never not be funny on that unit, though. Yeah. Um, because the Scout Sergeant looks so silly with a Thunderhammer. They're always too big for him, so he always oh, looks yeah. like he's he's one-handing a sniper rifle, one-handing a Thunderhammer. It's like, my guy, <laughs> put one of those down. Yep. You can't do both. Yeah, it was very silly. Uh, and the troops are sticky didn't matter because he had had a trigon on my, on my home objective for two turns previously. So he had out OC'd me on that for a couple turns in a row. Oh, um, and the warriors needed to stay on the other objective that they had made sticky because they were cleansing. Uh, but yeah, well, nice that was, that there, was my weekend. I mean, that's it two, was two team events in a row now, two team, two event team events back to back, uh, plus the GT that's four events this weekend, this, this month. One was the, the Tampa event that I helped GW with or the U S events team rather. Um, which was just a blast to be part of. Uh, I am never doing four events in a month again. And if ever any, if ever any of you hear that I'm doing this, remind me of how tired I feel right now. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. Uh, we have it pinned in my local uh, community <laughs> chat where I just have this blurb of, please remind me if ever I say it, think of doing more than two events in a month. All right. We are yeah. going to transition over to talking about the Cali Cup now, where we are going to listen to... We're going to... We'll keep it a little abridged, I suppose. We don't need to do too, too much. Uh, but let's talk Cali Cup. What is it looking like for... So the Cali Cup's the event that Anthony and Ennis are both going to be playing in this weekend. They are running a class in front of it. So if anybody's looking for a really interesting opportunity to like learn a little bit more um, about threat assessment, and then I believe also deployment was the other part um oh working under pressure was the other one um they're running classes this weekend which you can buy tickets on eventbrite um otherwise we are going to me and jeremy will be doing stats coverage of the event periodically throughout the whole weekend we're going to have a schedule for it and we'll post that in discord eventually i guess i'll just do the plugs real quick might as well if you've enjoyed what you've seen so far um Thank you for listening to an hour and 10 minutes of us nattering on about everything and nothing all at once, um, including seeing Tim in his Halloween costume of a hot dog. Um, if you've enjoyed all that and want to watch more of our chaotic nonsense when there are more of us to do even more chaotic nonsense, uh, subscribe on YouTube, send us a like, send us a comment. Uh, go, if you really enjoy it and you want to throw some money our way so that we can do fun things like send Anthony and Innes to tournaments to run classes or do coverage and stuff like that, then you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash stat check, where for $5 a month, you get access to our Patreon discord, which has just a ton of world-class players in it at this point. Um, and you also get access to 20% off at our sponsor, Red Dragon, which is at red-dragon.ca. Um, you probably saw their awesome little ad in front of this. And then Saltair Games does all of our tokens and stuff like that. Um, if you go to etsy.com, it'll be linked below. I'm not going to try to do the whole link. You can buy tokens, deep strike stuff. If you see Innis over the weekend, you can try to get some of them from him at the event. Um, he'll probably also have some dice and stuff like that between him and Anthony to hand out. Uh, otherwise, you also get access to all the events that we run on TTS at this point. Our current TTS event is going to have something like a humongous prize pool. It's like a thousand dollars or something like that. It's ridiculous. It's a it's a silly, yeah. silly the prize Red pool. Has been very generous in their sponsorship of uh, of StatCheck and really just giving back to the the community that uh, that has built them. Uh, and so we are putting a thousand Canadian dollars up for grabs in this uh, in this vibe check league, which we have. How many teams again? Twenty one teams. Yep, twenty one teams of five. Right. Um, One hundred and five people playing in a league. That is wild 
And we'll be continuing to run quarterly events, essentially, including team events and singles events, which will all have prize support provided by Red Dragon. They do ship internationally for the purposes of these things, so they'll work it out with you to get product to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's it for plugs. Thanks, everybody, for joining. I'm going to take 10 seconds to run away from the computer real quick, and then I'll be right back. Jeremy will play you some fun Jeopardy-themed music or something in the 10 seconds that I'm gone. No, no, I will not. Uh, instead, I will actually answer a quick or acknowledge a quick question in the chat. Uh, Valentin, uh, again, great meeting you in Montreal. Um, we will talk a little bit in the question section about the world's FAQ. I would rather grab uh, Anthony and Innes and talk about the world's in more broad strokes either next week or the week after as we're heading into that event. Um, for anyone not aware, uh, the World Championships of Warhammer, which is taking place November 16th to 19th, so less than three weeks from now. I thought I was getting a break. Um, and so that it, they, they just issued an FAQ for that event, uh, and it was strongly hinted at in the uh, communication around that, that many of the clarifications that are present in that FAQ would make it into official GW FAQs. Kelly was saying the world's FAQ modifies how Grim efficiency works. So obviously Griff efficiency lets you ignore it. Sadly, it doesn't affect my modifiers, just my units. Um, yes, Wilson, can Jeremy be stopped? I know in Atlanta. No, because I've of course I can be stopped. I've already lost game. I've lost two games and drawn one this weekend so, or this this month. So if that continues for Atlanta, I'm on track for like a six-two, maybe five-three record, which given the caliber of players that are going to be in tennis, it should be pretty fun. All right, Cali Cup, let's talk about stats real fast. Yep. Um, so I spent a bit of time this afternoon. Most people have lists in. I'm going to assume that those that have lists in are correct. Makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough, Ennis. When does a team loses a team, you went 5-0. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so I've put together a little stat. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of stats coverage along with the Kelly Cup team. Um, we're still figuring out the exact details of that. But what I went through and, and put together at first was just a breakdown of all of the submitted lists, as well as detachments, because detachments matter now. Um, we now have two codexes out, and both Tyranids and Marines are seeing a fair amount of uh, representation. Uh, so we'll just run straight through the, the, the counts for everyone. I have put all the Space Marines together, which includes all of the Note and Codex compliant, and then I'll talk through what they actually, how many of them there actually are. So, um, so we have 96 players that have submitted lists. I'm now noticing that there's an error in here and it annoys me so much, <laughs> but I'll fix it later. We have 96 people that have submitted lists. We have 17 people that are playing Space Marines, 10 people that are playing Chaos Marines, 10 people that are playing Eldari, eight people that are playing Tau, eight people that are playing Orcs, six people that are playing Tyranids, six people that are playing Death Guard, five people who are playing Grey Knights, five people who are playing Astra Militarum, four that are playing Chaos Knights, three that are playing Thousand Suns, three that are playing Custodes, two that are playing Gene Stealer Cults, two that are playing Chaos Demons, two that are playing Sisters of Battle, one World Eater player, one Necron player, one Leagues of Votan player, one Imperial Knights player, one Drukari player, and I was about to say one Astriani player, but they're included in the Eldar, and that was the mistake that I saw earlier. And zero Adeptus Mechanicus players, apparently. Sadness. But 
I mean, it's a it's just an 100 person event, right? So there's going to be some factions that just don't. Get and, and the reality is, is that they have actually been um, fairly. What's the word? Not super good. It's not even that they haven't been super good because they actually have been doing just kind of fine lately. Right. They haven't, as we as we were talking about in the stats portion of the section, they haven't really been performing from a. Uh, sorry, they haven't really been having that high of a representation. Yeah, they've been the lowest represented faction, I think, all edition essentially. Yeah, them and them for uh, early on, them Drukari and sisters kind of flip flop between which ones were the lowest, but they've always made up that that bottom band of everything. Yeah. Uh, they have won two events since the slate, if I remember correctly. I believe so, yeah. So they've done okay, like, broadly, but they've... A lot of Mechanicus players, I think, are excited for their new detachments to come out soon. <laughs> and the Stratos. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want my Stilt Boy. Uh, but yes, the one World Eater player is, in fact, one Anthony Violence. Tony. Tony V. Vanilla. Uh, who I will be watching very closely, and I hope that he goes 6-0 and makes Top Gun. <laughs> I'm very excited to tinker with his player card live on air when we do stuff. It'll be great. He's um, playing Tau, right? Yeah, he's playing Tau, and he loves deep dish pizza. He's, in fact, an aficionado of deep dish pizza. Yeah, no New York style for him. No. Um, so what kind of Space Marines do we actually have now that we've got that list out? Yes. So as I was going through it, so um, I'm going to break it down into the actual kind of groupings of the... Uh, the chapters, like the essentially. chapters, yeah. So yeah. Space Marines as a whole, uh, there's only four of them. There are two Firestorm Assault Forces, there is one Vanguard Spearhead, and there is one Gladius Task Force. Um, now, Marines as a whole, like Codex Marines on their own, haven't really been doing nearly as well as the non-Codex, because unsurprisingly, non-Codex have some more special units that are available to them uh, that just fit those various detachments better than the core marine uh ones do um and so then we have uh do, 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 do dark angels who there are five dark angel players three of them are running the unforgiven task force which is the dark angel detachment i am extremely surprised to see that uh one of them is running the vanguard spearhead and one of them is running an ironstorm spearhead um the unforgiven task force is bad in my mind but we'll see maybe these players have come up with something interesting so i'll definitely be watching them closely i was joking around with a friend of mine earlier that uh <laughs> apparently i need to get Azrael back out on the table once they've if they faq it so that he can lead company heroes because a unit of company heroes that are minus one to wound with a four of involved do sound very funny i like it i think it'd be fun uh so then be... we have sorry go ahead i said it would be fun Yep. It'd be silly, but it would be fun. I mean, the unit's 95 points, and then he's like 105, so it's 200 points for, I think they it's have, 10 they like the best. and over 20 wounds of you it's sit on objective and be annoying. For that unit, essentially. That is, like, amazing, because they're four wounds per model, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex Bath is special. Ben McGurk, I lost to it. Yes! <laughs> Shame! <laughs> So then for Dark Angels, we have one Vanguard and then one Iron Storm, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. The Vanguard is being run by Brad Chester, I believe. And I, if I remember correctly from looking at his list earlier, he's running Deathwing Command Squads instead of Deathwing Knights. Okay. Um, which have the added... I mean, they're cheaper for one, but 
You also have the added benefit of having an apothecary that brings back one model in the unit every one of your command phases. So if someone doesn't ah, completely yeah. kill them, they're really annoying. Uh, they also have the ancient built into the unit that gives them the plus one OC. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, so then we have Black Templars. Four of them are running the Black Templar Detachment, Righteous Crusaders. And one of them is running the Ironstorm Spearhead. I like it. Uh, which, <laughs> if anyone's unfamiliar, Ironstorm Spearhead is the Iron Hands style themed detachment, uh, which makes vehicles really good. Uh, and when you run Black Templar Impulsors, Gladiators, and all that, you get a multi-melter for five points. So if you don't need any of the other chapter's units, and you want to run Gladiators, you run those. Because five points more for multi-melt is a really good deal. Alrighty, then we have Blood Angels. There are three Blood Angels players, one each of Vanguard Spearhead, Sons of Sanguinius, which is the Blood Angels detachment, and Gladius Task Force, which is the Index detachment that's been slightly tweaked. Uh, if I remember correctly, the Blood Angels detachment for, sorry, the Gladius detachment has an Aggressor Brick and a Librarian Dreadnought. Uh, which is used for the very silly thing of having the Bolter Discipline Aggressor Brick yeeted across the table by a librarian with Wings of Sanguinius. I love that you can yeet things with the Wings of Sanguinius. It makes me so happy. Everything about that kind of just amuses me to no end because a bunch of people are working on taking that in, I think, different settings now as well. Um, just for funsies. Uh, Kelly, do you just glue a Melty Melted flat to the side of the tank since it normally doesn't get one? It actually does technically replace one of the pintle mounted weapons on each of those units. Uh, so you give up like a stubber, which just, I'll pay five points to get rid of a stubber and put a multi-multi on. Just use men magnets. Yeah, just use magnets. We promise it'll be okay. It's kind of diverse, though. Much more diverse than I kind of anticipated for Space Marines. I, I anticipated much more centralization around Ironstorm. And while every single one of those has like an Ironstorm spearhead in it, it's not like all iron storm spearheads right yeah which i kind of like It'd be interesting to see kind of where that goes for a bunch of people and kind of something to watch this weekend I and then missing some are you missing some i appear to be but i can't find them right now so so we'll give you guys more of a picture i think too with like the first couple of coverages that we do of the event yeah um me and Jeremy are going to kind of dig through all the lists and kind of fun, find some unique and fun things. If you guys have unique and fun questions you want to ask of like list design and stuff like that, put it in the Patreon Discord and we'll see if we can get that on air for you. Like how many uh, how many Terminators are at the event or something like that? We'll try to figure it out for you guys. That is a very funny question. Uh, actually, no, I think I did cover all of them. Uh, yeah, that's 17 all. Marine lists. Dark Angels, Black Templars, regular Space Marines, and Blood Angels. So no Space Wolves. Uh, no Death Watch. Yeah. Um, although Death Watch has really taken a nosedive off the off of uh, a cliff in terms of popularity in the last few weeks, as we were talking about in the stats earlier. Uh, no yep. Space Wolf surprises me because they've got some really funky things they can do with Stormlance and also Ironstorm. And the Stormlance has been doing okay with that army since they have mounted units that can do well. Yep. Oh, <laughs> we'll answer that during the question section. We'll actually go to the question sections kind of now, since we're yep. actually, despite saying we were going to do a short episode, we're already like almost at where we usually are for episodes anyways. So there's our mildly abridged Cali Cup coverage. Tune in this week for much more in-depth Cali coverage, um, where you get to see maybe one or maybe both of our faces for a bit. I'm in this room some more because they told me I didn't need to change anything. So I'm just not going to. 
Uh, ben asks in our show questions thread, if you want to get questions answered before I go too deep into this, you either have to super chat them or put them in the Discord thread for this episode. That is the only way to guarantee that we answer your questions. Chat hasn't been like amazingly lively, so we'll probably find all the questions that are in there. And I see that Jeremy's been tagging most of them. Uh, but those are the two ways that are going to get your question guaranteed to get asked and answered on this or on a subsequent episode, depending on how we feel towards the end of this. Um, Idris, I believe the lists are available now online. Um the Cali Cup on their BCP page. Ben has the first question, which is, what do you see the role of Botan as in a team's event, Jeremy? Ooh, that's a tough one. So it depends on the size of the team, but I think just generally they're in, at least their current archetype, which is revolving around Sagittar spam, just scores very reliably. It's very rare that they get blown out. Um, and with the current output that they have, it's very easy to with some good play and capitalizing on your opponent's mistakes, you can really crack, break their back and score really well really early on and then just coast through on those points. So it, the at least in this team event and the last team event, I was used almost exclusively as an attacker, um, just basically going into defenders and either trying to force a pairing because they knew that I was bad. So, for example, if, someone, if a team defended with Necrons, I would go down and any self-respecting Necron player would look at my list and say, I do not want to play that because... As demonstrated in the games, I can just pick up a Lich Guard Brick in a turn, um, or I can pick up, you know, a unit of Warriors in a turn. Uh, so in both those cases, it was basically that was the the goal more than anything else. And then occasionally we used me as the champion or the, the forgotten one um, in hopes of basically they would, you know, take a risk that I wasn't there. Uh, so that's that. Mainly as an attacker. Nice. And then Will asks, if you had to choose one piece of sports equipment to fend off a horde of nerglings, what would you choose? Cricket bat. I also like cricket bat because it's nice and wide. Yeah, it, you'll get lots of surface area on the on the horde of nerglings, and plus the flat side, which is that little bit of taper, will give a nice splat. Yeah. Uh, Dark Ben continues doing food questions, which I'm never not going to be amused by, and his question is, what toppings do you put on your burger? And I like bacon, cheese, and then pickles, and then you have to have like a little lettuce or something to kind of protect some stuff and add crunch. Sauteed mushrooms and a cheese sauce. I like it. And bacon. Uh, Always bacon. <laughs> bacon just makes everything better. It's true. Sam asks, thoughts on the world champs of Warhammer FAQ? I haven't read this at all yet, actually. And all I've seen are kind of the takes that have come off of it and not actually. I have not actually read the document yet. I will, I will say three things about this FAQ here. You can DM me later to get my full take on this. Um, the modifiers ruling I feel is wrong. Um, the basically the, they they finally published what has been done at both Tampa and uh, Tacoma, where uh, you can modify the strength, AP, damage, um, and ballistic skill or weapon skill of of weapons. Um, that is not, that modification is not ignored, but everything else on the top of the data sheet is unmodifiable. It gets really confusing and really, um, it becomes unintuitive for players, but the way in which that's currently written, I can see how they got to that interpretation. I just don't agree with that interpretation. So that makes sense. I'll play it as it's ruled at Atlanta, but I don't like it. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is they've reversed what is a commonly held understanding 
that you cannot tar use the command reroll strat for free because all of the things that allow you to do strats for free say you can target this unit with, an, with a stratagem even though it's already been used by another unit this phase. The command reroll stratagem has no target. Targets the role, I suppose, right? Yeah, but like stratagems are now very well laid out in terms of right. the when, yeah. the what, and the target. The command reroll stratagem doesn't have a target in there at all. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. And um, then number three. Number three is the change to um, basically reserves, the way in which things are brought in. Um, what I'm referring to here is things that come in from reserves that count as having made a normal move are not considered to have started or stopped or finished a normal move, which means that you can't, for example, bring in a raider from Deep Strike and then disembark. Or bring in a you know Sagittar from Strat Reserves and then disembark. Because you mm -hmm. no longer count as having finished a normal move, which is the trigger for disembarking. Um, I don't necessarily agree with this ruling, but I can see where the intent on this is. Um, Goonhammer had a hot take on the FAQ if you want to read more about it. Uh, I read through that earlier, and I think I agree with most of what was said in there. Um, <laughs> Kelly, yeah. Ch change kind of screws over on transport planes, but I think most people are cool with screwing over planes. I don't sure. know. Valkyries are kind of cool. But uh, I like yeah, that's basically what I said. I, I don't think there's any, like, aside from the modifiers thing, I don't think there's anything that's necessarily wrong in the FAQ. They're just different than how things have been interpreted up until now. So it's going to take an adjustment from players. I will say kudos to the U.S. events team and the team that is running the World Championships of Warhammer uh, for putting this out uh, almost two weeks before the list deadline because um, it means that we can adjust our lists accordingly and we know exactly how those things are going to be ruled. Uh, NMO, does that mean you cannot be overwatched? Uh, you can be overwatched because the overwatch trigger is also on setup. Yeah. And anytime you come in from reserves or disembark or anything like that, you are always being set, set up. up. Yeah. Sam asks the second question, which is who will partake for the stat check eight man team events hosted by FLG and Tabletop Life? Because we're on the founding group list essentially for that event, right? Yeah. Um, um, I think the question is more complicated because we have people who are uh, in Europe. So it'll kind of depend on what the cost looks like to send people to Southern california and who will have time and availability we only have nine members of stat check at this point so it's just one person who would have to sit out or a coach or something like that yeah um, so anyone who's unaware um champions cup was announced by frontline gaming last week um they are they now have over 700 interested players and something like 73 clubs that have expressed interest in attending the event um, they said they're going to hold it, keep it a little bit smaller than that. Um, but we got in on the ground floor. A couple of us were chatting with uh, the Frontline Gaming Group, uh, as well as, you know, we work with people like Zeno's Petting Sue, Sean Naden, Team USA, uh, that uh, that are in charge of running things. And so we said we wanted to help out. We wanted to support the, the initiative because we feel like it's Frontline Gaming doing something really amazing, doing eight-man teams and taking as much feedback on the format as they possibly can, uh, and also planning this out almost a year ahead of time um so yeah we're gonna send a stat check team there what that stat check team is made up of is gonna be an interesting discussion over the next eight months yep gonna have to do my rocky montage apparently to try to make oh, a yeah. traveling team um chris asks are dedicated melee only units worth considering outside of armies like world leaders or things like space wolves 
I mean, yeah, yes. Melee still has a purpose, right? It's not purposeless. It's just not as good as it was in previous editions. Yeah, it, it, it still is strong. It still has its purpose. Um, good example of that was there were a couple of Votan lists that were having a reasonable amount of success. I think Danny Porter was running one that had two units of Berserks in it that would ride around in, in Satyrus, and they just basically would pose up behind a, behind a ruin and say, I dare you to get there. I can still kill you in melee. Yep. Um, and then similarly, you know, the a really good example actually was uh, the uh, Dark Angels Gladius build that saw a lot of play before the Codex came out, uh, which ran on a 10-man 10, 10 Deathwing Nightbrick. Um, that is a dedicated melee unit. Um, yes, it's also just a dedicated unit of, I have a lot of wounds and you're going to struggle to kill me. But they do kill things. Um, uh, Hadrex plus six blade guard. So I'll give you a little uh, a little bit of trivia here. Um, we were talking, uh, myself and one of my buddies, about Atlanta. And we almost ended up with that in one of our lists. Hadrex and six blade guard in uh, a repulsor. Hmm. Adrix gives the unit full wound rerolls. Oh, and they have the stratagem for mortal for devastating wounds, right? Uh, I don't and think flamers. they. Yeah, but they don't have flamers because they're blade guard. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But the thing right. is, that the blade guard ability at the beginning of the fight phase, you choose either reroll ones to hit or reroll ones on your invul. Mm. So if you're going in and you're fighting first, you choose the reroll ones to hit. You're that hitting on threes. Sense, yeah. You reroll all your ones, and then you reroll all your wounds, and you have like I think it's twenty four attacks with the unit plus Adrix's hammer, which is actually quite good. That makes sense. And yeah, I think the usage that you talked about for Berserks is kind of the usage that you see for melee dedicated units. Mm -hmm. is You post them in places and they control space, which is how Anthony plays world leaders regardless of the situation. Yeah, and Kelly also makes the point that you have the Hearthkin warrior melee weapons in Stratagem, um, where you have the Stratagem where if something has more than one, one or more tokens, you get plus one AP for every token that they have. And the mm -hmm. Kin melee weapons, I think, are 5-2-2. Two, two. Only two attacks, but you know, you have three of them in a unit that can do, you know, six attacks at five two two with plus two AP with plus one to hit and plus one to wound. It adds up. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Uh, Luke G asks, is Vol Vulcan good in Firestorm? And if so, does Company Heroes makes sense or just stick him by himself or with Infernus? I think he's one of the people you stick with an Infernus unit, though, if you can yeah. stick him with an Infernus unit. I don't think you're using him for his like stickiness so uh, much as you're using well maybe a little bit you're using you him to point at something he doesn't need to lead the unit because remember it's just he chooses a unit and all oh, right. melt the weapons we roll wounds against it then i guess you uh, but he just put him in enough a you could probably put him with like an infernus unit just as a bit of you know them as a blade of wounds and some decent damage because uh, him on his chosen his objective unit. it's really annoying to remove does he give himself the feel no pain or does he give his unit the feel no pain it's just himself i'm pretty sure okay then yeah i you could still use them in a bodies unit, but you don't need to use them in a bodies unit in that situation. You don't get the same kind of like force multiplier that you would out of a lot of other characters. That makes sense. Uh, Jay asks, I have my round for the OWL coming up, and we are playing Mission L, Scorched Earth, Dawn of War. At what point should you burn objectives? He's playing a Marine Mirror, uh, Gladius into Ironstorm, and they're playing on WTC layouts. If you are able to secure kind of your triangle afterwards, because remember, you only need two objectives a turn to do that. If you can get to an objective fast and burn it, I would recommend that you do, and then you just basically pivot your whole force to fighting over the other two midfield objectives and keeping your home safe. 
Uh, so I would do it earlier rather than later because the later on in the game you go, the fewer resources you tend to have and the less likely it is you're going to want to commit an entire unit's turn to burning that objective. That makes sense. All right. The next question is, why no Innis? It's because Innis has a long journey ahead of him to get to Southern California and he's packing and stuff like that. Although he was in chat, so who knows? Uh, Tom H asks, if three Norns, would you bring all emissary or mix and match? I think you take two emissaries and one of the other one. Yeah, two emissaries and one assimilator. That was what uh, Hogan Franklin was running at Tampa, and he did make shot around with that build. Uh, <laughs> it is a heck of a stat check. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Norns are going to do if you're taking that many of them as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's just what's going to happen. What's your favorite Holoqueen costume you've ever done? Is Bryce's question. Uh, I don't remember the last time I did a Halloween costume, to be honest. So, the stormtrooper armor behind me is my favorite Halloween costume. That is very awesome. Uh, <laughs> Preston asks, "Will tonight's show be titled Craft World Samhain?" Oh, it will not. Although that, that is very nice. good. I do like that. But we'd one. we'd already picked that would be O of moment. So, um like a week in advance because we had two titles for last week's episode that we were undecided about. Mm -hmm. um, Griggs next year though, Preston next year, uh, Griggs asks any miniature storage such display solutions that you would recommend. Uh, I used to swear by the Detolf and then my Detolf imploded. So for it's still good. It's tempered glass. So it was easy to clean up and we didn't get that hurt <laughs> doing it. Um, but the Billy bookcases, there's actually, I think the Billy bookcases, there's actually a mod that you can put a glass door on them. Uh, and so. that's one of the nicest ways for like display for storage. Uh, most of the armies that I have are just stored in Tupperware bins or like big rubber made totes. Um, the really the, useful boxes or whatever. That's what I was just about to say. The really useful boxes are real, are really useful at storing armies. And you can very easily cut metal to shape. Yep. and then magnetize your model spaces. That's what I, all of mine are. They're all magnetized. I will eventually get around to that, but my Dark Angels are too... There's too many models. <laughs> it is a little hard to get into it. Um, so those are the recommendations. Donald asks, do we know what attendance numbers are like so far for 10th? Is it up or down since the beginning of 10th edition? Uh, there's been a lot of chat that TOs are struggling to get full numbers for local two-a-day events. Um... It's kind of a tough one to go through. Like a really good example, both the team events that I went to in the last two weeks sold out. Um, one was the a 64 person, 16 team event. The other one was a 90 person, 18 team event. Uh, the GT that I went to a few weeks before that was a little low on numbers, but it was also in Quebec City, which hadn't seen large events in a very long time. Uh, and I think it was only like four or five people short of what they had targeted. Um, the big thing... I have been looking at the numbers. I haven't looked at the numbers in the last few weeks uh, just because I've been so busy. Now that I have a bit of downtime this weekend, I am going to be putting together an article on, or I'm going to try to put together an article on event attendance uh, for the first few months of 10th as opposed to like the last two years of 9th from based on the data that we've collected. We did at one point look at some of it and it they were, there wasn't like a drop off or anything like that for 10th. There was still... Yeah, there is still some growth, but the the acceleration that we had seen, especially in 2022, had slowed down. Yes. And yes, Seth, we are still going. We're going through questions now. So if you have a question, you can ask a question. 
Um, so look for that. We'll probably present some of that data also on the show at some point. Maybe we'll do another stat show at some point and have another stat guest on or something. That'd be awesome. I'm not going to answer Tom's questions because I feel like that's only going to cause problems. <laughs> uh derek sent a gif which is what doth life i don't know life is 42 that's what i'm going to say 42 is the answer to the question uh nikki d asks is gladius truly the best way to run my beloved blood angel still um and then also best vampire book film movie or tv series underworld i like interview with a vampire both the movie and the tv series they're both quite good I think Ironstorm is the best way to run Blood Angels. Sorry, guys. I do really like the Ironstorm Blood Angels <laughs> list. Come on, uh, we, we've been, we've been, we've heard it hyping up. Ball Predators—they're all the rage. Go get them. It's true, they're sold out um, everywhere. Uh, Eric, Eric doesn't have a question this week. Instead, we are going to shout out uh, Eric's wife um, and for putting up with him for eighteen years. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Eric. Happy anniversary, Eric. Uh, Marshall says, do you consider Sisters of Battle a real faction yet? They've always been a real faction. We just joke that they go up and down and all around for win rate whenever we talk about them on the show. <laughs> I will say, when we talked about them the week after Tampa, they went up the week afterwards. So, I think it's spite. I think spite is the fuel spite for and malice. Sisters. Spite and malice for us specifically is what fuels the Sisters of Battle community at this point. Uh, Frank asks three questions. The first one is, how are you feeling on the non-compliant chapters post-codex? They are the Two best thumbs. way to run the codex. Um, I think we all know Ironstorm slash Firestorm are the two best attachments, but how are you rating Vanguard? Vanguard definitely has play. Vanguard has mobility shenanigans, which, you know, we play a game that is highly dependent on highly mobile units. Uh, marine units tend not to be that mobile, so giving them that, that flexibility is really powerful. Um, I've heard I've had way too many people looking at Devastator Centurions lately um, because Strike from the Shadows with that unit is hilarious <laughs> um, that's the plus one hit plus one AP one is that plus right? one ballistic okay. skill plus one ballistic AP skill, sorry. so, so even zero minus one modifiers. the worse you're hitting on a three and then you're rerolling one's base and rerolling all hits if they're on an objective fair so pretty good yeah. um is the best attachment for templars still just righteous crusaders i think the math is showing that iron storm is workable right so yeah far. i think though that templar horde is the better way to run the army um but i could very easily see um iron storm overtaking it just because vehicle spam is fun that makes sense uh preston has another question have you had any trick-or-treaters if so what was the best costume uh, they had stoned high schoolers dressed as stoned high schoolers. Um, as an apartment dweller, we don't really get trick-or-treaters to give candy to. I will say that I did see... Um, I, I saw some kids all dressed up as like the Five Nights at Freddy characters and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, and inevitably, there's always somebody running around in an inflatable T-Rex costume, which is enjoyable. Yeah. Do you have trick-or-treaters in Canada, or is it too cold outside for kids to We do. Um, well, actually, here in Canada, we just always planned it. Well, in this area of Canada, uh, and I guess Saskatoon as well, because there was snow weekend. It was beautiful. Um, we always plan uh, your – you always plan your costumes around having to wear a snowsuit. That makes sense. When you're a kid. We, had, we actually had um, snow but, today in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. 
we had snow <laughs> while I was gone. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, I live in a condo, so we don't really get trick or treaters either. Um, there's also only eight units in this in this part of the condo. So, and there's almost no kids in my neighborhood, or at least in this area, because it's mostly just young professionals. And then Innis has a question: uh, Who is winning Cali Cup? Ooh, I'm gonna say that's a tough I'm gonna one. I'm gonna pick Anthony to win Cali Cup. No, Anthony's gonna Anthony's gonna live the world leader life and go uh, something in one. I mean, my second choice is Innis, just because I think Innis can win. But I think Innis can win, but they are doing player place terrain, which Innis doesn't have a lot of a lot of recent experience with. That's so. true. That might hurt him, but at the same time, though the player placed rules that they're using might favor CSM. Same with C. I don't know. It's a tough one. Uh, I would love to see Ben Yurick win it because he's not quite a California local, but he's as close as you're going to get to it. Um, and it would be very funny to see him win again with Eldari after he was saying that Eldari are fine and they don't need to be nerfed again. How about instead we just say, Innis, Ben, and Anthony go one, two, and three in some combination thereof. Deal. I like it. Will uh, Innis will... make it through the airport? <laughs> <laughs> will Innis survive Southern California food is really the question. Oh, he'll be fine. Ask each other. There, there's plenty of white people food there, right? <laughs> Did you see my man? It's true. <laughs> was your list name again, Innis? Uh, Innis named his list uh, dot, 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 dot. Okay, I got to actually look at it. Uh, Innis just here so Ben doesn't win Wilson. All right, so you're playing Ben round one. Uh, Anthony says Joel Wilson wins it. All right. Ooh. Uh, so Joel Wilson is running CSM. Uh, his list name is Destroyer of Balls. He's running Abaddon the Destroyer, Dark Commune, Dark Commune, Cultist Mob, Cultist Mob, Legionnaires, uh, two full bricks of Accursed Cultists, an Undivided Forge Fiend, a Nurgle Forge Fiend, a Nurgle Hellbrute, uh, four Nurgle Oblitz, and then two units of Nurglings and the Changeling. Um, the I will actually say that the Hellbrute tech makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> anyone who doesn't know what the Hellbrute does, uh, basically whenever you packed for one thing, you get the other thing as well. So a really good ex so a really good example of that is Nurgle Oblitz. You packed for sustained. You're sitting next to Abaddon. You're rerolling all your hits. Uh, you get crits on fives. But that, if you're standing next to Hellbrute, you get lethals. And because you get crits on fives, every five plus is both a sustained hit and a lethal hit. All I'm going to say, Seth, is Richard Siegler couldn't win an event he prepped for that was local. Why would he be able to win an oh. event he's traveling for last minute? Yeah, Sorry, he, needs to stop, he needs to stop pairing into Art of War. And because both Nick Nadavati and Anthony are there, that's not going to happen. It's true. Um, Will asks, is it possible to pull up unique player counts from the data? Yes, it is. We do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, we do it all the time. It could be interesting to see a comparison between unique player counts and average weekly players for some of these low rep factions such as Sisters Drakari next to their win rates. Yeah, we can do that at some point. Um, put it in the literal stat check uh, channel instead of in questions, and we can take a look at it as a suggestion. Yep. Merrick Werp asks, have either of you seen the new Games Workshop website? The answer is yes. to look at it. It's way better on mobile than it is on computer or desktop Just computers. so bad. But it's still terrible. It's not good. Um, it looks... I think the analogy that I use is that it looks like a movie set. Um, of a really nice looking city in that it's all facade and no interior. Um, there you go. It's just held up by wooden planks behind it. Yeah, so it looks really pretty, but it's not very functional. 
Um, what is one unit that you would like to see get some time in the spotlight, and what do you think could be done to fix them? Ooh. Repentia. Just make melee good again, and that would probably yeah. There you go. I mean, give me give I, us Bloody Rose back. I would like to see Drazar get back into the spotlight again. No. Sorry, guys. Fuck I just want to go back to traumatizing people like Seth. He sits out for at least one edition. He's in the, he's in the timeout bench. Can we eleventh edition? You get your Drazar back. Can we get Archons back in the like capable of doing things bucket? Then <laughs> so funny story about that. Um, my Kari <laughs> opponent round two had an Archon. And he said, he's just going to sit here. He's going to vect one of your strats and he's not going to do anything else all game. <laughs> didn't start him in a boat. Didn't start him in, attached to a unit. He was just like, he's just a man with a dude at a prayer. He's just going to sit here. And the first strat that I don't that I want you to, I want to cost an additional CP. I'm just going to vect. And he did. I CP reroll the one, uh, one, 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 one attack. And he's like, all right, I'm vecting that. The Archon was about to die. <laughs> I like how Seth is going to be permanently traumatized by Drazar. Just I mean, most me. people who played into Ninth Drukari are traumatized by Drazar. They picked up half your army half the time. <laughs> I mean, that does remind me of Ninth Edition when I played into Admech for the first time, and Drazar killed like sixty uh, Vanguard Rangers by himself. I lost the game, but he stood atop a pile of corpses, essentially. Um, all right. Ben says, if you both had cricket bats, do you think you or David Gaylord would kill more Nurklings? I think David Gaylord's in better shape than both of us, so he would probably yeah. end up through being in better shape killing more I think he's also Nurklings. taller than both of us, so he's got longer reach. David Gaylord is taller than both of us? You. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, wait, that's not how height works. Um, Tomic from Contact Lost says... What do you think is next for GW after Atlanta? Make this a recurring thing. Do an official world teams event. Anything to be at, beat Atlanta in the future? It's, it's I, tough. I think it depends on how it goes this year. I think if it go, like they already did two years of event cycles, I wouldn't be surprised to see another year of event cycles. If this event goes off really well and they get good public response, then I assume that um we'll see another atlanta-esque event in the future yeah i would i would if this goes well the way that they've structured this i would expect them to continue doing these yeah and so far it looks like it is going well like the circuit is well attended um that they've created i think it just depends on what kind of the reception is to atlanta this year yep um do you think gw is going to balance the game to see all detachments in a book playable or more units in a book playable has gw made it more difficult for themselves with the need to balance both for each book i think they balance units more than detachments i think they're okay with the armies having one to two builds it seems if that's one to two det balance my opinion yeah i'm linked out for a second there again i think my internet's getting spotty um it's hard to tell really. i said the unit focused but yeah i think unit focus is better like if only a single detachment is viable competitively but all of the units are viable i think people prefer that you want people to be able to play with their toys more than you want them to be like have variety in the faction i don't know it's, mm -hmm. it's a tough one 
I don't think GW's made it any more difficult for themselves than before, although I will forever think that they did not really make the game any less complicated from a balance perspective. Uh, no, they definitely did, because you now just have those six strats and those four enhancements in, a, in or seven, or sorry, yeah, six strats and four enhancements in any given detachment. So it's very easy to just pull the levers on those, because you're never dealing with, okay, so I have demons in my army, which means I have access to demon stratagems, which means I have access to demon enhancements, and it just gets messy. Or I'm playing Dark Angel, so I have access to the Dark Angel enhancements and stratagems in addition to the Marine stratagems and enhancements. So and it's better, but Innis it's not as, perfect. Right. I think I think we can give GW like a couple more balance patches before we make a decision about how they're approaching balance this edition. 100%. Uh, Wraith Guard is 340. Yinkarn is 350. You can add 100 total points. 100 portal, points total to the units. How do you split it to make Eldar the most balanced? Yinkarn 450. Yeah, just make the Yinkarn 450 points. I think that's yeah. fine. I want it to be a quarter I mean, if, of an Eldar army if it's going to teleport every damn phase yeah if you're not making any rules changes and only adjusting points that's just what you do you just make the incarn as expensive as possible in fact you could probably price it out of existence and the elder army would just adapt around it like you see plenty of avatar of cane lists you see plenty of no avatar lists at this point um no avatar lists can win events just fine at this point uh what warhammer fantasy book old world army are you going in on for stat check boomer edition i'm not I don't know that I can pick up another hobby at this point. That's too much. I'm just not interested by fantasy battles. The like, the old models have no <laughs> appeal to me whatsoever. You're the one person who I think I can say this around is that I think fantasy is just too generic. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it really Age is. Age of Sigmar has way more character and way more flavor than fantasy and does. Models and cooler models. I'm sorry. Uh, why can't I sleep, says Innes. Uh Too many urn brews is what I'm going to say. Nah, pre-travel jitters. We all get them. Um, go. That's, That's a better, more logical answer than what I said. <laughs> you're both lucky you're not coming to Cali dead to me. Look, you, you, you grognards and old school Warhammer players can have your fantasy battles. I'm going to stick with 40k. I mean, if we do end up switching to it as a podcast, then I, I would pick an elf faction probably yeah i mean or maybe dwarves i don't know man <laughs> mickwarp aos has no flavor except it does have more flavor like flesh eater courts are amazing let's just talk about it they are bretonia but better because they're bretonians who are hallucinating that they're bretonians but are in fact flesh-eating cannibals I'm Sorry, not saying the yeah. gameplay is better than fantasy. I think the gameplay in both of them is bad. Yes. But the models make the game. Yep. This is topping and no filling. I honestly think that there's no point even talking about it because the people who like fantasy are embedded in liking fantasy and there's nothing that will dissuade them from liking fantasy. Uh, Matt O asks one of the two questions that are in here. Is this the best meta in years? Sorry, Drukari. Not many factions would shock me if they won an 80 person GTA major or something like that. I think most of it is. It's mostly yeah. better. Like mostly There's, one of the best ones. Eldar, I still need to have their wings clipped a little bit. CSM are verging on the this is a problem and Votan probably need a bit of a chunk taken out of them. Like maybe like a 5% points increase. But 
Otherwise, it does feel really good. Everything's everyone has not an equal chance, but everyone has a chance at winning an event. And then Valentin uh, Puchkarov asks, "Hey, gents, joining late. Did you talk about the GW Worlds FAQ?" Jeremy did give a three-point review, essentially, of um, his review of it. I haven't read it yet, so I don't have any opinions at the yeah. moment. Go um, check out the Goonhammer then... hot take. It's a pretty good coverage of what they're ch- of what changed um, and covers the most of the TO community that I talked to's opinion on it. Yep. And then Ben asks, if we keep asking questions, will you keep broadcasting? And the answer to that is no. Uh, despite the fact that we've had almost two hours, which was not an expectation. So on that note, thanks to Ben for bringing us out correctly. Everybody have a wonderful evening. Thank you for watching. If you've stuck around for two hours of this show, um, if you like what you heard, watched, saw the nonsense chaos that me and Jeremy talked about, then please like subscribe, comment, etc. interact with our platform. It's one of the best ways to improve our visibility. Uh, if you have, money and you want to join our discord where we have prize supported events stuff like that and get to interact with us on a more regular basis you can go over to patreon.com slash stat check and then otherwise please go check out our sponsors at red-dragon.ca and also saltier games Bye bye for more shows like this check out the goonhammer media network more info at media.goonhammer.com Thank you.